I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, February 25th, 2023. Coming up, um, hmm, I can't remember. Oh, (laughs) just joking. Our guest is Dr. Adam Brickman, a neuropsychologist at Columbia University. We'll discuss a new study that found that taking multivitamins on a daily basis helps prevent age-related memory loss in older adults. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. David Foster Wallace, author of Infinite Jest, gave a graduation speech at Kenyon College in 2005, opening with the following story. There are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, What the hell is water? The point being that obvious, important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. According to new results from astronomers, we are like those fish, but swimming through gravitational waves rather than water, though arguably gravitational waves are harder to detect. Researchers at the North American Nanohertz Observatory for Gravitational Waves, or Nanograv, studied more than 60 pulsar stars, which are neutron stars that are the incredibly dense collapsed cores left behind from stars that have exploded as supernova. These pulsars are spinning hundreds of times per second and emit steady radio pulses like ticks from high-precision clocks. However, based on 15 years of observations, the nanograv team discovered tiny variations in the measured ticks of these cosmic clocks. The analysis indicates the variations are not due to changes in the spin of the pulsars, but rather due to gravitational waves slightly stretching and squeezing the fabric of space-time between Earth and the pulsars, which causes their radio pulses to arrive at Earth billionths of a second earlier or later than expected. These results are the first evidence of the gravitational wave background that has been predicted to exist by scientists. Like water surrounding those fish, these space-time distortions surround us. We haven't been aware of them, and yet they fill the entire universe. The results were published in the journal Astrophysical Journal Letters in a paper titled The Nanograv 15-Year Dataset, Evidence for a Gravitational Wave Background. One of the most popular stone kitchen countertops in America is killing many of the workers who make it, according to a study published yesterday in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Quartz crystal countertops are a man-made stone that consists of ground quartz rock mixed with resins. The countertops are pretty, they don't scratch, and they are safe for the people who use the finished products in their homes. But creating quartz crystal countertops is killing many of the workers who make them. The problem is that cutting and polishing quartz crystal stone creates dust 
that is high in silica. Workers who breathe in this dust usually don't even notice. But when the silica dust lodges in their lungs, it can cause a disease known as silicosis. Silicosis can lead to permanent damage and death. Silicosis has been rare in the United States. Among workers who cut and polish quartz crystal countertops, this lung-destroying disease is an epidemic. Safety measures to prevent silica dust exposure include wearing specially fitted masks and using water sprays to minimize airborne dust. But even among workers who follow these protocols, cases of silicosis are rising, with death and disability reported after only 15 years working with the stones and at a median age of only 45. Cases of silicosis are so common in Los Angeles, the county is considering a ban on the manufacture of quartz crystal countertops. Yesterday's report in JAMA urges better safety monitoring, earlier diagnosis, and more compensation for workers who suffer from the risks of making quartz crystal countertops. For How on Earth, I'm Shelley Schlender. And on the science calendar this week, Fisk Planetarium on the University of Colorado Boulder campus has several events featuring full-dome films. If you have never seen a full-dome film in a planetarium, here's your chance. Fisk's projection system has 58 million pixels and was the first 8K projection system in the Western Hemisphere. Tomorrow, July 26th at 12.30 p.m., Fisk will show the film Habitat Earth, narrated by Francis McDormand. This film plunges below the Earth's ocean's surface to explore the dynamic relationships found in deep ocean ecosystems. It digs beneath the forest floor to discover how Earth's tallest trees rely on tiny fungi to survive and explores the intricate intersection between human and ecological networks. Also on Wednesday at Fisk, later at 2.30 p.m., you can watch Solar Superstorms. Or on Thursday at 12.30, watch Cosmic Mashups, Gravity, Galaxies, and Supermassive Black Holes. Or on Friday, July 28th at 8 p.m., Fisk will be presenting the film 5,000 Eyes about mapping the universe with the dark energy spectroscopic instrument, which is creating the most detailed map of our nearby universe. Each of these films is 30 minutes long, followed by a 30-minute live talk about the subject. For more information about these full-dome films and other events at Fisk Planetarium, go to their website at colorado.edu slash Fisk. a message over my machine You said you really miss me But I don't know what you mean Can't remember who you are But you talk like you know me Maybe you dial the wrong number Or maybe I got a bad memory If you think your brain is aging, as in your memory is fading, you're hardly alone. 
Memory decline is an inevitable, if cruel, component of aging. There's been much debate about what interventions can arrest the pace of normal age-related memory loss. A large study published last week by researchers at Columbia and Harvard Universities offers intriguing findings, and it supports some similar earlier studies. This one showed that taking multivitamins every day helps prevent age-related memory loss in older adults, that is, people age 60 and older. The study does not apply to people with dementia or Alzheimer's. Our guest today is a co-author of the new study, which was published last week in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Dr. Adam Brickman is a professor of neuropsychology at Columbia University's Vagelos College of Physicians and Surgeons. He also led the similar study that was published in May. Dr. Brickman joins us from his office in Manhattan. Adam, welcome to How on Earth. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So glad you are. So um, why don't we start with just diving in, if you could distill the key findings of this newer study. Sure. Sure. So this was a a fairly large clinical trial where about 4,000 adults all over the age about of 60 were randomized or assigned to either a placebo group or a group that was receiving um, um, multivitamins uh, daily. And we tested their memory at baseline, that is when they enrolled in the study, and then at one year, and then at two years, and then at three years. And what we found was that at, three, at one year, um, the people who were taking multivitamins, their memory improved over the people, over the memory of the people who were taking placebo. And that effect was sustained on average over the, the three years of the follow-up. Interesting. So we thought that was a very exciting observation. And then that was the end of it. So we don't know, you don't know, like, was that sustained beyond three years? Or even if not, is it significant enough? Right. So, uh, of course, these these experiments or trials have a beginning and an end, and mm-hmm. the and this particular study ended after the third year. So we we did not follow them uh, past that time point. And say a bit about the demographics of those who were in the cohort. Yeah. So so I would say that this is a limitation. I mean, I think mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Um, it was exciting that we were able to get a huge uh, sample of people. There were about 4,000 people enrolled in this study, and they were distributed geographically throughout the United States. Um, but mostly they comprised fairly well-educated people, um, and mostly in, in terms of their racial and ethnic backgrounds, they were mostly um, white of European ancestry. So that's a limitation, and of course, future studies really need to see uh, how well um, uh, multivitamins might affect memory in a more diverse population that better represents um, the United States and, and internationally. Yeah, and before we just dive into the brain and how it actually worked, mm-hmm. what are the mechanisms? Why why was it mostly white? Because it's, they're plucked from universities or what? So the, the, this um, study took advantage of some existing cohorts that have been studied uh, with our through our uh, colleagues at Harvard and the, and the Brigham in Boston, um, and so the existing cohorts um, included uh, fairly homogeneous populations, and we we're sort of tagging on uh, this study onto these existing studies. So it was, it was sort of a historical um, reasons why why the diversity was low in the in the cohorts, um, and there you know there's a whole science about recruitment and, and representation in these types of interventions, and we we certainly hope to improve that for future trials. 
Right. So, okay, on this particular study, and it seems very mm-hmm. similar to the previous ones, what yeah. was in the multivitamins and what kind of multivitamin? And I guess the yeah. sub-question there is, could it be any multivitamin? It's a, it's a great question. We, we chose Centrum Silver, which is a common vitamin. Uh, many of the listeners uh, might be taking it already or certainly have heard of it. Um, and, it, it, you know, it, it contains a number of different vitamins and nutrients. Um, and I would say across the different available multivitamins that are all sort of sanctioned and available in, in local um, pharmacies, they're all, they're all pretty similar as far as I can tell. So we don't really expect that there would be differences across the different multivitamins. Vitamins, um, and we we didn't isolate the specific component nutrient or um, vitamin within the multivitamin that might have been having the effect, um, and we suspect that it's probably something to do with the combination of the different multivitamins, which tend to be pretty similar across the different available. Um, and those are vitamins. what clearly vitamin B or B twelve plus certainly B twelve, vitamin D, zinc, magnesium, vitamin C. Um, there's a whole list of them on the back of the of the um, of the label, um, and and you know we we could speculate that maybe as vitamin B twelve, vitamin D, zinc, that that we're having uh, the strongest effects, but but really it's this um, experiment or the study wasn't designed uh, to isolate or identify the specific vitamin or whether it's some unique combination of vitamins that had the effect on memory. Yeah, and based on what's been studied before, I know your mm-hmm. field, you do a lot of study on dementia and Alzheimer's, yeah. not, not multivitamins per se. Right, um, right. What's so significant about this in, it seems like, replicating previous findings? Yeah. So the sum total, if you could say, what, how is this advancing the science and how is it, <laughs> how is it potentially good for those who might want to take multivitamins if they aren't already? Yeah, I... It's it's an important thing to emphasize. You know, as scientists, we often like to be the first uh, to (laughs) discover something new and to show something the breakthrough. Right, right. (laughs) Um, In this case, um, you know, there 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 was a previous study that was part of the same parent trial um, that was published by our colleagues at Wake Forest University, and they actually showed a very similar effect that um, multivitamins seem to affect or improve people's overall cognitive ability. And then we were able to do our analyses after them, and we essentially replicated those findings. So it was a different group of people in our study. Uh, the, the measures we used to evaluate cognition or thinking abilities were different, um, but the effect that we observed was very similar. And that, at least to me, gave me a lot more confidence that the observations that we're seeing of the improvement in memory were real, that we were able to do this not only once, but twice uh, in, in similar ways and show a very similar effect. And in science, that's sort of one of the great tenets. The replication um, is, is, you know, increases our confidence in our in our novel um, observations. That's really an important point. It might seem like, oh, how tedious, how kind of boring to just be doing the mm-hmm. replicating work, but without that, it could just be snake oil claims. <laughs> right, right. And then give us a sense of what is happening, what was happening in the brain, and how was that measured in these studies? So we used... 
um, neuropsychological tests. These are paper and pencil, traditionally paper and pencil tests. I remember in this those. Case, they were <laughs> administered over the computer, over the internet. Um, and we designed the, the cognitive or the neuropsychological instruments to evaluate different aspects of thinking ability or cognition. And so the primary outcome, the main measure that we used to evaluate whether these multivitamins uh, uh, improved uh, memory was what we'd call a list learning test. And in our um, study, uh, participants were at their homes, in their homes, at their computers, looking um, at um, some software that we developed. And what, what it did was show individuals common words, one at a time, once every second or so. And then after the list disappeared from the screen, after each word disappeared, uh, the participants were asked to type in um, all the words that they could remember from that list. Ooh. And that, I hate to take that it now. measure, yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah. That's about the how many? That we saw sorry, the about, improvement. Mm-hmm. about how many words, or up to about how many words in a list? You're not talking three or four, right? Right. So the the um, word list task had about twenty words on it. Um, had 20 words, not about. It was exactly 20 words. <laughs> and on average, you know, if you or I were to do this test, we would get maybe seven or eight words um, on immediate recall. That is, right after the word list disappears, we would recall about seven or eight words. And how do you ensure they're not cheating? That's a great question. I, we, we can't. They're in their homes. They can do whatever they want. They can, they can write things down. But this is one of the beauties of, of uh, scientific experimentation. Mm. We don't have any reason to believe that if people were writing things down, that there is a differential proportion of people writing things down in those taking multivitamin or placebo. In other words, um, if, if there was a small subgroup of people cheating and we looked at the distribution of scores, it wasn't like there was a group of people getting all 20 words consistently. That would indicate cheating, of course. Um, um, but we, we have no reason to believe that there was a differential distribution of people writing things down between the placebo and the vitamin group. So if there was some people sort of writing things down or zoning out or not paying attention, we think that those people were equally or evenly distributed between the placebo and the multivitamin group, and that wouldn't be able to explain the observations that we saw of an improvement um, with multivitamins. Interesting. So you can kind of tease that out. Uh, For those who may be joining us now or late, you're listening to KGNU Community Radio Science Show. I'm Susan Moran, and I'm talking with Dr. Adam Brickman. He's a neuropsychologist at Columbia University, and he co-authored a new study and led a similar previous study showing how older adults who take daily multivitamins can arrest the momentum of memory loss. So it looks like this study was you know, binary or comparing taking multivitamins, these particular ones, mm-hmm. and placebo. It's not looking mm-hmm. at other interventions, shall we say, or other activities that can and have been studied in terms of their connection with preventing memory loss or cognitive mm-hmm. decline overall, like exercise mm-hmm. or learning right. something new, dancing. Can you speak to that, particularly right. since your field has been, you know, broadly neuroscience related to uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. 
Right. So when we're thinking about cognitive changes that happen with aging, and, and you, you hit it in your introduction, that we do expect that most adults, as we you know, travel through time, we're experiencing some degree of cognitive change. In some people, it's greater. In other people, it's less. But we all seem to experience some degree of cognitive change. And, and there's been a lot of interest, of course, in understanding whether there are things that we can do behaviorally or things that we can engage in that might um, slow that um, progression down or even improve our cognitive abilities as we age. And so, as you mentioned, there, there have been a number of things that have been looked at, exercise, different types of exercise, different types of cognitive stimulation, and that could be through, you know, learning a new language or taking courses or, um, or learning a musical instrument, things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of interest in those types of, of behaviors uh, to see if we can sort of package them together to maximize people's sort of cognitive trajectories as they age. The, the way that I think of it is that we're all sort of programmed to um, uh, have some degree of cognitive change, but can we maximize our potential through modifiable um, engagement, modifiable risk factors and in, in, in engaging in different activities? So I want to ask you, how would you guess, you know, a scientific mm-hmm. guess, this intervention the daily multivitamin intake, and particularly for those 60 plus, shall we say, yeah. compares or may compare with these other activities that you just alluded to, whether learning a new language, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, it's hard to really do a head-to-head comparison. I think that sort of everything that we've looked at in this field has been of small magnitude. Certainly no panacea has been identified. Um, so I, I think that probably um, the effect of multivitamin is, is similar or might be part of a, of a larger type of intervention or, or um, behavioral activities as we age. Um, contributing a small effect to our trajectory of cognitive aging. Um, so it's not like, should I wake up this morning and take my multivitamin or <laughs> take a walk? It's probably maybe I should try to do both if I'm able to. Interesting. And why, neurologically or otherwise, mm-hmm. why does this not apply to those who may have or have the predisposition for having, say, early onslaught Alzheimer's or dementia, and you're talking about normal, so-called normal age-related decline. Right. It, it, it's a very important distinction that, that, that I like to emphasize. Alzheimer's disease, which is the primary or the most common cause of, of dementia that we see in older adults typically, um, is a disease. It has pathological features uh, that accumulate in the brain. These are aberrant proteins that, that accumulate in different parts of the brain, and it causes real neurodegenerative changes, a real tissue loss and neuronal or neuron loss um, as it progresses. There's really no reason to believe or suspect that a multivitamin will act on those pathological features of the disease. And so when when this type of study gets a lot of attention, inevitably people are worried about Alzheimer's disease or they have a family member or themselves are suffering uh, from Alzheimer's disease and they say, okay, I'm going to take a multivitamin, that'll help treat my Alzheimer's disease or prevent me from getting it myself. Um, And really there's 
very little indication that that, that, that would be the case, um, considering what we know about the biology of Alzheimer's disease. So not only no indication that, say, taking multivitamins, doing the exercise, is going to stave off dementia or Alzheimer's, but right. that, that's going to happen anyway. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if 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 um, if we're destined genetically um, to get Alzheimer's disease, that will eventually manifest if we live long enough. However, some of these types of activities, like exercise or having um, uh, enriched cognitive experiences throughout your life, seem to play a role in Alzheimer's disease. In that, if you have them or if you've done them, sometimes the effect of the Alzheimer's disease on our ability to think or our memory is a little bit mitigated by those factors. So in other words, two people can have the same amount of Alzheimer's disease pathology in their brain, mm-hmm. but if they've engaged in a lot of uh, exercise or if they're medically healthy in other ways, um, the effect of, those, uh, of that Alzheimer's disease on their thinking ability might be mitigated or lessened. Interesting. So it, it's not preventing or treating Alzheimer's disease per se, but it could potentially uh, mitigate the effect of Alzheimer's disease on our thinking ability. Final question. You're a Mm -hmm. relatively young guy, well below the threshold for those who would qualify. I think you're late 40s, right? How has this, well, what inspired you to lead this earlier study and be involved in these? And has it changed you and your outlook some? Yeah, I, I mean, what inspired me is, is I'm, I'm clinically trained. I'm a psychologist by training, and what what always motivates me is my experience with patients and with with people. And so I've, I've always been motivated to find ways or to understand uh, ways that would identify interventions to help people as they age. And I'm very, very much connected to, to patients and, and older adults for, for whatever reason. It just resonated with me at, a, at an early point in my career. Um, and so, so that, that's the motivation is the person and the people in society. Mm. Um, how has my own behavior changed? Uh, I'm, I'm not here to make specific recommendations, but I will say that I started myself taking <laughs> a multivitamin, which is something I hadn't done since uh, my mom told me to every morning before I went to school as a kid. Ah, she knew. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brickman, for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Sure. You're welcome. That was Dr. Adam Brickman, a neuropsychologist at Columbia University who co-authored a new study that found that older adults who take daily multivitamins can slow the pace of age-related memory loss. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show is produced by me, Susan Moran, and engineered by Joel Parker. Additional contributions from Shelley Schlender. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from, um, oh, what was it? Um, oh yes, Bad Memory by Guitar Shorty. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments, call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Susan Moran.